From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small batch and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond. Friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other. Through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there's huge curiosity surrounding these topics. And we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared. And we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of corrections. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> From uniforms to unicorns. Unicorns. Hey, Lauren here. Just wanted to remind you that some of the things that Sharon and I and our guests talk about on this podcast can have adverse effects or bring on triggers for experiences that you have had in the past. So we just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning before you listen to any of the podcast episodes and say, take care of yourself. And thank you again for being here and listening. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Ready to do this again? Yeah, I know. I was going to say it's been a long time, but we just recorded one right before this. So yeah, super fun. Super fun. We're <laughs> our, our schedules are as COVID dissipates. Is that how we call it? Well, yeah. I don't know, as, as everybody kind of starts to get back to a, a different new way of living, it's like the days are few and far between that we have yeah. nothing going on and scheduling three people to do a podcast can be a little bit tricky. Uh, yeah, our guest today though, she uh, she was like, oh yeah, when do you want to do it? And I was like, next Thursday? She's like, what? Really? Next Thursday it is. You don't have to ruminate about it. We don't have to cancel it a thousand times. So uh, today we are here with uh, a very new but very good friend of mine, uh, Terry Jones. Um, She has... Her story is unbelievable. I can't wait for you to, to hear... Uh, what she's been through and what she has done and the mission that she is on our our paths crossed on Instagram which in this day and age is you know usually how you make friends yeah (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you for being here with us we appreciate it we know that this is stepping outside of your comfort zone a little bit so uh thank you so much 
Well, thank you so much for having me. It was lovely to meet you, um, Sharon. And yeah, Lauren and I, you know, crossing paths in the virtual world. And then, you know, as my husband and I've said, um, the first time we actually got to meet in person, like um, a few months ago, it was like, just so comfortable. It was like, hanging out with a we got deep fast so and it was funny because we're like be. we were like hugging each other and then it's like is this the first time we've actually met each other in real life <laughs> it didn't feel like it right yeah. it felt it like it just felt like a re- the right fit so totally, i think absolutely. our paths were meant to cross so awesome. yeah awesome. so happy to be here so yeah i can tell you a little bit about sort of like why i would end up on this law enforcement podcast <laughs> why why this random uh, meeting why maybe it wasn't so random but um my husband is a um police officer uh he's been with the edmonton police service um for almost 30 years wow and my husband and i have been we're one of those um couples it's a little like bit weird and not everybody um has this story to tell but like we knew each other in grade two and um so Ooh, I, I didn't know that on, yeah so I had a, kind of had a crush on him in like grade three and I was his secret <laughs> Santa and I made him a peanut butter and banana sandwich Aww, which is, I thought was super odd nowadays <laughs> yeah exactly no peanut butter oh. <laughs> so like we kind of like and then I moved away and then we we reconnected in high school actually and started dating. So we are high school sweethearts and oh, wow. we've been married almost, it'll be 27 years um, in a couple of months. Wow. We've been together for 34 years. Wow. We're two beautiful grown men that I birthed <laughs> 24 <laughs> and 22. So yeah, um, our story is, yeah, I've been around, my point is I've been around policing my entire life as well because Scott's um, father and his uncle and his cousin and his brother they are all police officers either retired or currently serving as well like now so I just feel like I grew up around it and it was just sort of part of you know that was like that's all they talked about right that was just that was the biz the family business so um yeah we're definitely a police um family through and through your kids aren't police officers though are they no what's interesting is that um as my husband always says he's like I had no other skills so I just had to you know go be a police officer (laughs) so not true but um my oldest who's now 24 he was kind of thinking yeah like me will and in the back of my mind, I didn't say anything because they had this out for themselves. But I'm like, he's one of the kindest, most empathetic, generous souls that I knew. And I wasn't sure he was going to be able to make it out the other side in one piece. Mm-hmm. He did the police studies program at Grant McEwen. Yes. And through that process decided, maybe this isn't for me. Uh, so he figured it out on his own. And in a strange turn of events, he's actually thinking of applying for fire in the new year. Oh, my God. So you can imagine all of the conversations around police and fire that have been really relevant in our home over the years need Mm. to kind of like 
be toned yeah. down a little bit because we may soon have a fireman in the family, which is, again, my brother does that for a living. So, but we kind of, you know, tease a little bit about, you know, you have to like not make as much fun of the fireman sleeping all night anymore as maybe you used to. So yeah, yeah so that's my, his path. One of our friends says, don't cry. To, it says to her, don't cry, apply. Because you're like, oh yeah, you guys just sleep all day and eat chili and right, like of course that, that's and, and we have like a, a, my cousin's husband is a firefighter and we buy their kid police books for Christmas and they buy our kids <laughs> firefighter books Christmas. That's yeah, Perfect. it's survival, right? It it's, yeah. it exists. Yeah, totally. I, you know, I think he's he might. I think Jack's on my oldest son's name is Jack. I think he's on to something there. So he will find his path, but it is not going to be the police path. Yes. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, because I know you have been through your own stuff. Um, and that's kind of how we got connected as, as, as a occupational therapist, as someone struggling with chronic illness and as the wife of a police officer, like they kind of all came to a head leading you through something new. Right where I need to be, but yeah, it was a bit of a path to get there as, as all of us who decide to do the hard work of this healing journey know, uh, yeah, there's some twists and turns along the way. So um, I'll back up just a little bit to give yeah. you a little bit of um, background to my story. When um, when I was in my 20s, I was busy doing all the things that um, Gen Xers do. I'm a little, a little bit older than you ladies. So um, at that Perfect. time, it was no, like... Not, not Sharon, not me. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it was like, you know, I had, I was um, blessed with the opportunity to be in a position where I could... Um, go to university and get a good education. But I also did all the other things. I got married very young. I had kids very young. Um, I was super mom. I did all of the things. I was really active. Um, Like my outlet was always like physical activity that I think in retrospect is like how I moved my energy and sort of um, got my feelings out. So I was like, I, I lifted weights and I ran and I did all of the things in my twenties and, uh, um, was working as an occupational therapist, um, in a busy healthcare setting. So like all good doing all the things. Um, and in my thirties, things started to sort of catch up with me. I wasn't really carving out a little, any time at all for me. I didn't, that wasn't on the list of priorities at all. Even though I had studied to be an occupational therapist, which even though we're trained in the medical model, um, OTs look at through a lens of um, helping people through a biopsychosocial lens very holistically. Um, but like, I hadn't really applied some of those principles in my my own life because uh, I, I didn't really need to yet. So I was, I worked part-time for most of the time that the kids were little, but then I, you know, I started taking on a few more hours and a few more responsibilities at work and some of my perfectionist tendencies sort of started to take over. And I am a recovering workaholic for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I also, as I said, was married to a police officer who was doing his old, own thing. And we know as, as women and moms that like all of the other things behind the scenes that need to get done. Usually, so um, he worked in some really like crazy areas, like looking back um, when my kids were at the height of like all the hockey and the ball and trying to be places at once, driving them around as their chauffeur, Scott was working in homicide and 
I was like, I would get the phone call, like see in three days and he'd be gone. Mm-hmm. And I literally didn't see him for three days because he was doing his thing. And, um, you know, I always sort of justified it. Like if I had family or friends were like, Oh my God, like you're basically a single parent, which I was for probably a good five years there when the kids were teenagers. I was like, you know, it's okay. Like, um, there's a victim here the they need him more than I do all you know sort of justifying that but in the meantime I was starting to fall apart a little bit behind the scenes um really starting holding everything I'm not really asking for help that was never my personality I'm I'm not someone who's really emotive I'm the person I'm a friend who when your life's falling apart you come to and I'm the calm influence and Mm -hmm. and things so it didn't really I I never really fell apart on the outside but by the time I was in my forties, my health was really starting to suffer, trying to like juggle all the things all the time. And mine was never really, mine always came out as like physical symptoms. And so I had through my life had always like had, and this is where it's, I struggle to tell the story because telling my story is very new for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very introverted. I'm very private about what I've been through. And so like, I, I find myself sort of like struggling. I'm just trying to minimize a little bit what I've been through. So um, bear with me a little bit here. No, um, no, I just started sort of articulating this in, a, in the last six months. I sat down and I like, I wrote it out. I just needed to sort of like get it on paper and just starting to articulate it. So I, I never want to get too in the weeds and slime people with the trauma, but I also don't want to like glass over the top either. Yeah, that's fair. So I've, okay. So I've always been kind of like sickly. Like I've always been the one who is like always catching all the kids colds. I always like my stomach was always upset. I um, have asthma, but I just sort of powered through and I didn't really complain about it. I'd always had headaches and I thought everybody got headaches all the time. I didn't realize that people didn't get headaches. Like, I just thought that was me. And I would just like, I would like put like Advil and Tylenol, like it was Skittles. Like I was just like gulping them down, like just like power through, like keep going. And there became a point in my forties where that stopped working. And my body was screaming at me to pay attention to it. And I was still doing all the things I thought it was completely normal and natural that at my lunch hours while I was working, that I would go lay in my car and cry in the fetal position, trying to figure out how to get enough energy and rally to get through the rest of my day because I was in so much pain. My body was falling apart. Like I was aching everywhere. I was having these migraines that were like six or sevens out of 10 every day. By then I had started to like, get the the medical um, community involved. And I had a neurologist I was working with, but like, what can they do for me at this point? They can give me drugs. They can give me injections. They can offer me surgery. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. And so I hadn't changed anything about my lifestyle. I hadn't asked. No one knew. No one around me knew how bad it was because I put so much energy into looking fine. Mm-hmm. And that was sucking the life out of me. Mm-hmm. So I was still trying to do all the things. I was still just like shoving the pills in my mouth, trying to like get through the day without um, any pain. Um, and in about 2017, 
2016, I, it was starting to affect my work. Like I couldn't, I was still working and doing the things and I, but I started telling everybody at work I was struggling and people around me were like, Oh my God, like if this is what you operate, like when you're 50%, what would you operate like a hundred? Cause no one knew. And I, I took some time off. I thought, you know, just like a little vacation is going to do it. Well, yeah. Okay. So then that turned into like my doctor putting me off for like six months. And then I tried to go back. I had a couple of failed return to works all the time, still sort of like trying to fix myself hard. I was trying to fix myself hard with medications and injection, like all of those things. And in 2017, I was still sort of playing with a return to work. And I got a new medication that was um, prescribed to me by my neurologist. And I had a near um, fatal med reaction called serotonin syndrome. And I went like into this Parkinson's, like I lost 20 pounds. I was shaking all the time. I was throwing up. It was my, I have to say that was, I think my rock bottom. Like it was the only time in my life that I thought it would be easier to end things. And I knew it was the chemicals in my brain because of what was going on with this medication um, that I had been given that was completely altering my thought patterns. Um, But it was like, for two weeks, I didn't sleep. I paced around my house. I rocked myself to console. Like my whole system was in absolute shock. It had just been like battered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I knew in those times and days that I had to do something. This, This was it. I had to start actually taking care of myself and look at things through a new lens. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and I think I this had, is our, our stories align here too, right? Because mine was cancer. Like at that, I had the, that lump in my throat for, I look back on photos. I'd, I'd had it there for two years, right? Just like, meh, I'm good. I'm getting old. I'm tired. You know, that's what happens when you run a business and your husband works shift work and your kids are sick all the time. That's how you feel. That's just normal. Right. And that's to, and, and you and I know we both are like the perfectionist person. Right? Sharon, Sharon can totally relate to this. Right. Like mm-hmm. even if it's interesting because people from the jail always say, oh, my God, you look so young. Sharon looks younger now than she ever looked than I ever either. did there. Yeah. Which is right? so like, weird because it's like so you weird. leave the environment. Right. And you decide like you learn enough through the process. Like I have to take care of myself. This is, this is not the bottom of the list anymore. Right. It can't be, or, or there's suicidal ideations. There's physical symptoms that come through. Right. So, okay. Awesome. Okay. Keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think that's where, you know, it was like getting literally hit in the head like with a shovel. Cause that's what I felt like all the time I was in so much pain, but yeah, this, this idea that like, this was normal in retrospect, I just, I shake my head at my naive self that I had to go through this process in order to figure out how to put myself first mm-hmm. and not just blame it on. Like I'm tired. And like, like all the things that I used as these excuses, um, is, you know, fascinating in retrospect, looking back. So, and I think too, like, as, as a, as a, as women, like we're sort of like society wants us to be that, but also 
when you do go to the doctor with physical symptoms as a woman, like I'm thinking about, like I've taken my, my daughter in, I won't go into too much detail, but for cramps with her period and they're bad, like it's affecting her. And they're like, well, she's got to just take an Advil. Right. But it's like that. It shouldn't be like that. Like it, it should be, I don't know, something more like it shouldn't just be taken. You got a headache, take an Advil. Let's move on. But power through you're a woman mm-hmm. you could do this this and, and more and more and more and more and take it all on and here's medication if that's not you know mm-hmm. i just yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. just totally <laughs> and is that like and you're right all of all of those things i that i didn't really i know enough about and i and i sure do now um so like I'm in my late forties when all of this is happening and I'm starting to panic a little bit because I've still got two kids that are like still not through university. And, um, I'm, you know, thinking about my lost income, my lost identity, all of these things that like were taken away from me. I had no control over now. I, I had let it, I had let it go too far. I had blasted through burnout and led myself to a full on neurological condition that was, um, I can't even describe to people um, what having, basically what ended up as after all of the tests, all of the things, what's wrong, what's wrong, that what we were able to come up with is that you have chronic migraine. And so you, you say that to people and they're like, oh yeah, okay, cool. You get headaches every once in a while. And that is not what my experience is at all. This is like something I struggle with daily. Um, I right now I'm on a medication that they normally only give to people who have severe Alzheimer's disease. It's helped me tremendously, but my cognitive function has gone from someone who had a, a near like um, photographic memory to someone who like has to write everything down to keep myself organized and like thoughts and words will completely leave my mind. Um, it's something I struggle with daily, even though I look, as you said, we look totally fine. And, and so this, this hidden, um, whether it's a mental illness or something that is invisible and you can't explain to other people Mm -hmm. is, is, is some days really trying because this is a struggle for me every day to like, um, figure out how to present myself to the world (laughs) and be a little more vulnerable about what I'm actually experiencing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm starting to, you know, like I said, late forties, I'm starting to sort of like, I'm, I'm, I'm panicking a little bit. And as I said, I had always been really active. Like I, I had, I had run and I had lifted weights and all of that had been taken away with me. Like I couldn't even walk 10 minutes before I was in, like had to lay down and, and take care of myself. So on a whim, I registered for yoga teacher training. I thought maybe I'll just like, maybe I can like teach old people yoga. That's all I have left. Mm -hmm. I'll, it'll, it'll probably be good for me. Like everyone says you should probably, you know, do some yoga and meditate when you, (laughs) you don't feel good. So like I'm just on a whim. And about a month before I um, started the teacher training, um, I was starting to climb, climb out of the hole a little bit. And then I got in a car accident. (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't move my um, left arm for like 18 months. So I go into teacher training and I'm just like a train wreck. I'm a train wreck. Like I've got all this shit going on. I got the, I with the car accident. So now my nervous system is in this chronic pain cycle. It's so hypersensitive. Like I had never, I had been one who's, who had been like, I, had, I thought I had like, before I knew anything about pain science, I thought I had like a high pain threshold. Well, now it was just like my hair hurt. It was how bad it was. So anyway, I decided to continue on with the teacher training. 
and it was 10 months of like one weekend a month. And I had no, this process for me was super interesting. I had no idea about the nervous system. I had no idea about this idea of like creating safety in your nervous system. I had no idea about like how trauma would play any role in what maybe was going on with me. Cause I'd always kind of glossed over my happy childhood, which I didn't really remember. And when in retrospect, my ACE score is actually pretty high. So like all of these puzzle pieces are starting to come together for me. And I'm trying to figure out like in the midst of this teacher training, I'm like, oh my God, I hold my breath all the time. I had no idea. Oh my God, my whole body is like tense all the time. Like when I'm driving, my whole body is like, I'm great. So this slowly awakening the awareness of my body, my breath, then layer in like the thoughts I was having that were sort of um, side sidelining me as well. Mm-hmm. This was a slow process that over the last like four or five years have sort of got me to this place where I'm not may not be cured and I'm going to have this neurological condition, but I'm certainly healing mm-hmm. um, for sure. So. Yeah, there's, I mean, now I'm down the rabbit hole of like, I learned to be a meditation instructor. I teach um, and practice gentle yoga. Um, I've been diving into some of these somatic therapies. This is why Lauren and I can have all these conversations with all this weird (laughs) shit that is like, it actually works. Like if you actually do it, It you can start to like connect with these changes in your system um and it's the thing I love about all these things is they're quite immediate right like because you and I have a very similar story I went through but I also have dealt with migraines I've been on every medication I've and at one point I was like sitting in the hospital in cameras with both my kids Madden was probably four Reese was six months old in like the fluorescent lights in the hospital just like with my eyes closed Trevor was at work Trevor's parents didn't answer the phone I don't know why I didn't call a friend for help why did I not call my friends to help me? I have lots of friends, lots of friends that I help who would help me in a heartbeat. Nope. Just I'll take all the shit to the hospital. Yes. Yeah. And like, it was like, oh, they, they, like, they thought I was there looking. I'm like, I just have migraines. Just give me something for this because I've taken everything and it's not working. So then I was on like the neurological ones where they, the receptors, Topamax, where they don't touch each other, but then I can't fucking talk. I was at a lunch. My friends are like, What? are you, have you hurt yourself lately? You can't, <laughs> like the sentences were broken. And I'm like, oh, I think it's my new medication. It's like, well, um, might got rid of the headaches, but you sound like a dumbass. Then <laughs> 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 like, it was like, but I don't want, I don't want to medicate myself every time this happens. Cause it was happening two, three times a week. Sometimes I'm laid out for two days. I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Right. So then it's yeah. like, I have to there find was a something point. else. There was a point in time where I was getting um, 40 plus Botox needles all in my head, like from head to shoulders. And I would feel like garbage for like five days afterwards because I just got shot up with this toxin. And then it would last like a few weeks and then it would start to wear off and I would start to feel like garbage again. And then it was just a cycle of just Oh, you just nothing fixed the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, just take a pill, take a needle, do this. And it was like, okay, but like, how do I like, 
fix it so that it doesn't yeah. keep coming back. That was, oh, well, just take this one. This is the neurological one. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Like, great. This, yeah. I want them to stop happening. How do we do that? Oh, good. Take this pill. So then it's like, oh, and same with yeah. you. It's like, I've, I, I mean, they're definitely better. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um, so you got, you get into yoga, you get into breath work, you get into all these really cool, fun things and what yeah. starts to happen. Well, at first I took all my perfectionist tendencies that I had in my job and I threw it at being a yoga teacher and, um, did way too many trainings that I wasn't, didn't have the energy or the capacity to take. And I mean, there was a point in time I have to back up here, like when things were really bad, like I couldn't even read anymore. I couldn't be, I couldn't spend any time on a computer. Like I almost had to teach myself to read again. Like I was started with adult coloring books and then I slowly worked my way up. So like, of course, when I slowly worked my way up, then I was like full on taking all these courses and I never really slowed. Like, I feel like I skipped the step of like doing the work and I just learned how to teach other people to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's but so I think, true. I do think my history was that like, that was important for me is that I have to teach what I need to learn. I'm yes. okay with that. So mm-hmm. um, I, I have made peace with that. So started doing some of the work, but then, as I said, I took it totally overboard. And then I actually, I think, because I was, um, I didn't have enough variety in my, in my movement routine. I didn't have the skills yet to use a movement practice in order to help myself rather than hurt myself. I was still kind of stuck. And so the next layers came in with a little bit of more of this, like this mindfulness component and really starting to pay attention to all of the signals that my body was sending me because I still was very disconnected from them. So it really started to click. I, I started taking a, um, a mentorship and a course with a physiotherapist at a BC that has a, a company called uh, Pain Care Aware. And so I started to learn about the neuroscience of pain uh, through the lens of yoga. And that's when the puzzles pieces really started coming together for me. I started to learn about the mechanism of chronic pain. I started to learn to pay attention to more than the pain. I had to pay attention to my breath, pay attention to my body tension, my capacity, my thoughts, that all of those things were um, paths forward for me to healing. There's over 200 areas of the brain that light up when you have chronic pain. And so we don't just need to um, focus on sort of that mechanical piece of like what's broken or what's wrong with, you know, my posture or my osteoarthritis or like whatever we think is the, that's not pains far more complex than that. And that there's lots of things that you can do to um, begin to address the pain. So um, I just started to being a little kinder with myself because I was still pushing, 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 trying to fix I don't know if I was trying to get back to where I was before, but I was certainly trying to push through it. And um, that's when, and then again, you and I sort of align here again, Lauren, was this idea of like the science of Mm self-compassion. Yeah. And again, if you would have told me 10 years ago, I would be learning and trying to practice self-compassion. I would have been like, shut up. This is ridiculous. Mm Mm-hmm. I would have, I would have been like, that was just like, not, but the more I've learned about it, it's like, okay. Um, the science says, 
I had to convince myself I'm very in my mind. I have to figure this out in my mind before I'll come into my body and my heart a little bit. Being self-critical and super judgmental is maybe a good short-term solution, but it is not a, it's not a long-term solution. And science will show that, that if you can be a little kinder with yourself, just as you would be with a friend who is in a similar situation that, um, things will start to shift. And I have to say that that was sort of the next layer to this journey was starting to really listen to what my body was telling me and like take care of it. And so my window of tolerance is a little smaller. Like my energy is definitely not what it used to be, but I'm a little more in tune with it. And I, I try to honor that moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, so it's been super interesting, like the ripple effects that this has started to have, like, as we were talking about, my husband, police officer of 30 years, like he's got his own baggage there, right? Mm-hmm. And so with a little bit of like, maybe you should like, because we had both practiced yoga for many years, but it was a very physical practice, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. you just move all the parts and he saw how much that this platform had helped me to figure things out. So he went and a couple of years later, he became a yoga teacher. He really, really connected really. with the, the breath work. And yeah. so for him, he's sort of like done the breath work and he's learned about trauma. And I've sort of learned about the chronic pain, but in the end, they're sort of all the they're same. They're the same, connected. And so yeah. I just want to go back. So you said on a whim, you decided like to become like a yoga instructor, but what, what led you there? Because like my whims, they, they don't, <laughs> are winners. Me, are, are like, yeah, going shopping. Like, if you know me, my whims <laughs> are like, let's take a trip some, or let's go shopping to winners or so what led you there? Like, were you always into yoga? Like, were you like, or like, cause a whim too, some people sign up for marathons if they're very active. Right. Or yeah. So the, yeah. I had, I had practiced um, yoga for probably 20 years prior, but it was always a very, again, like if I was going to spend any time exercising, because that's all yoga was to me prior to Mm -hmm. this little journey, I wanted to sweat. I wanted to get my heart rate up laying at the end of class and what you'd call Shavasana was like, I would just sort out my to-do list and I would be very restless. That was my yoga. And so I had always, I had always sort of like there was something about it that I kept coming back to. And so, yeah, it was a regular part of my routine, but it was my part of my fitness routine. Um, There was times I was super restless and uncomfortable, um, but it was always there. And so I think as I lost so many other things that were important to me, walking, lifting weights, running, I guess it seemed like the only thing left. And um, so I think that's sort of, why I thought I still need, I know that I need to move my body. I know that exercise is good for me. No one really helped me figure out how I was going to do this with pain. And I Mm -hmm. thought maybe that was the place to be. So um, that was sort of how I got there. And then it opened up all of these other pieces of the puzzle for me. So it wasn't just about the postures. It was about the breathing and the mindfulness and all those components that I've been able to bring into my life. So I think that's a little bit, you know, more of how we got to where we are, but it's, it's such a ripple effect. Like Scott has been able to um, do the teacher training. He's now taking it out into the world. We started a little company together 
um, Twisted Oak Yoga and Wellness. And we Mm -hmm. teach online. We teach in person. We dabbled in retreats last year. And it's super interesting, the type of folks that have been um, resonating with what we're doing, because it's not mystical and woo-woo. It's like we are professionals who have had our own struggles and we want to share with you what we've learned in a way that's not super weird. And our classes are not like putting yourself in a pretzel. It's more about the mindfulness component and really taking care of yourself and putting that front and center. We've also done all like my son, my oldest son that I was talking about earlier, he has struggled with his mental health. And I think seeing his parents go through this process of not being perfect all the time and falling down and picking yourself up has given him some tools that he's been able to explore. Um, lots of healing books he's been able to read. Scott and I are really into like, we also layered this with like how using hot and cold exposure mm-hmm. helps you build resilience in your nervous system. And my son really latched onto that. So he like, he does his cold showers every day and um, is really into like the Wim Hof breathing and using yeah. hot, you know, uh, saunas and hot and all that sort of stuff. So um, he's been able to take that. And my youngest son, like he's, he's struggled with anxiety. And so we're able to have these conversations about like tools he can use in order to, to help himself when he's struggling. So I would go through this all over again, if if it helps my husband and my kids and other people around me um, in the way that it has and really given me a new um, meaning and some purpose as I move forward and figure things out. It was all meant to be, and it was a little messy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I, I remember saying to um, one of my specialists, cause I had numerous specialists at one point in time, like um, that this is the best and the worst thing that ever happened to me. And she looked at me like I had like horns and she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you know, listen, like this, this was the worst thing I've been through, but it has brought me so many um, blessings and opened me up to like new ways of thinking and um, new social circles. And I'm, yeah, it's in the end, it has just been kind of an interesting ride. We say that all the time, right? Like we wouldn't be here if we wouldn't have gone through what we went through. Right. And like we were just saying on the podcast before this, it's like, it started off, like we left the prison. I had kids, Sharon had kids. She went to another prison. Yeah. We connected every now and then Sharon got married. I was at the wedding, like, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, these conversations we were having, were just like, we got to have another one. Like that was so good. Right. And then, holy shit, we should be recording this. Yeah, exactly. It's we're funny. First of all, (laughs) Um, I mean, we're tamer on recording, but it, it was like, wow, like this is really, and it was helpful for us. So it's like, okay, that's what, if that's the purpose of what we went through. And I mean, there's a million things that came out of what I went through, right? Like thousand purposes I love purpose stuff I'm done though (laughs) I know what my purpose is I gotta you're like I'm good I have all the lessons I'm okay now like (laughs) universe fucking slow down (laughs) I get it (laughs) uh it it is interesting though so yeah it's the same thing best and worst thing like everybody's like oh my god you went through cancer I'm like best day of my life I swear to god decisions that I hadn't made in probably 
15 years. We're just like, fuck that thing. I'm not going to talk to yeah, those people anymore. Absolutely. That board that I sit on sent an email. Mm, I'm not coming to the meeting or that's any other ones going forward. Like it was just like this huge perspective change that was like, oh my God, if this, like, if this was the end or if this is like my last couple months on earth, these are all the things that don't matter. And I really had to start living my life like that because it was just filled with a bunch of shit that was meaningless. Right. And like pretending to be perfect, pretending to have it all together, pretending to not fall apart when stuff gets hard. I even noticed it. I wrote about my, um, my cancer thing the other day and even how I pretended to be perfect in those moments, right? Like I was fine. I'm strong. I got this. Don't worry about me. Uh, no, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I realize it now, like, wow, there were lots of people that wanted to help me and I didn't let them. And if my friend had cancer, how would I like that compassion piece, right? How would I want them? Like, I know they would say that they don't want me to come, but I would come anyways, right? Because yeah. yep. that's what I would want. And that's what my friends did. But I, I do remember pushing quite a few people away and saying like, we're fine. I had a surgery. Who cares? Like, like, who cares? Are you kidding? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I went to Roger's place the day after my surgery. So left Edmonton, came back to Camrose. My son was playing hockey at Roger's place, went out for dinner with my friend and her family, walked around Edmonton and stayed in a hotel. No wonder my neck was like this two days later. No my mom's like, I think you might have overdone it. Uh, <laughs> You think so, Pam? (laughs) (laughs) Just like, oh no, it's fine. I just had a cancer surgery. We can go for supper. It's all good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go anyways, right? Like, just stay home. It's really not. We have video cameras. Watch it on, you know, whatever. Learn lessons learned. Lessons learned. Yeah. So easy to like share that compassion with everyone else around you except yourself like mm-hmm. I don't know why we're so hard on ourselves but yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so crazy it, yeah. it life is easier when you're not right and the only you're the only one that really can release it right and uh Terry and I are actually in a compassion training next month um it's ran through uh the University of Calgary for first responder spouses and families and uh even just that like one hour was like oh yeah no <laughs> right like <laughs> there's still lots of work to, there's still lots of work to be done right but uh yeah. same with the dairy I love the science behind it I like yeah to ha- I like the the tell me why right tell me tell why me, that's totally me, me that, too yeah to- like right and show me the evidence and yes. you said yeah. that a few times it's like the science and the evidence and the Right. And uh, I I like that stuff. And we know, like even lady we were just talking to before you, she was talking about Wendy, another lady we've talked to about like the mindfulness stuff. Right. And the science and the 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 all the research behind it to say, like, it's so beneficial. Yet this is not something we put our dollars into. Right. Mm -hmm. This is something that we're like, yeah, well, figure it out on your own. Right. It's not. Um, well, our family doctor has actually gotten quite a bit better in the last couple years, especially like through, uh, my cancer stuff and really helping us try new things, right? Like, have you tried this? Have you done this? Um, what about this? You know, like even when I went in, uh, during one of my things, he was like, well, I'm going to give you some medication, but that's just to get you through here. And then when we get to the other side, that was when I was uh, having trouble sleeping. 
but yeah. just to get you sleeping and then we'll and then we got some but then we got some work to do okay are you ready for that like all right sounds good yeah and I think <laughs> like in these yoga for me again it's sort of been that platform for that that Eastern lens, um, you know, all of these tools have been here waiting for us. We just have to discover mm-hmm. them when our, re- when we're ready, but our Western minds are just like, we're so in our heads and, um, we're so disconnected from our hearts and our bodies. And, um, my family makes fun of me for my little Grinch heart. Cause I'm like, again, I'm like, this is something I'm working my little, I'm a little, not very emotive. So it's like, you know, when the floodgates open, look out, but like, mm-hmm. if I can figure it out in my brain, and then start to practice some ways to like get my body and my heart on board. It, it seems to land a little better than like getting into too much of the mystical woohoo. Like I just, mm-hmm. I think that for me, that has been the kicker is if I can sort of learn the science behind it and go, I know you don't want to do this, but it's good for you. So you better give it a try mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, that gives me that little bit of extra push to see if I can add some layers into the wellness routine that makes sense for me and and are sustainable. So, Mm -hmm. and I think once you start to dabble in those things, like I think was, I I think I was telling you, Terry, I'm doing this like tremoring, which sounds like fucked right up. It's awesome. I did it again today. Um, It's like, it's so crazy that when the doors open and you start, it's not just yoga, right? It's, it's mindfulness. It's hot, cold. It's art therapy. It's this thing. It's music. It's right. And it's like, instead of sitting back and saying like, you need a psychologist, you need medication, you need this thing. It's like, okay, those were, those were probably the three options that were available to people up until like what, like 2016, really, yeah. when you think about it, before we yeah. even really started talking about mental health and wellness and self-care and self-compassion and, you know, paying attention to what our bodies, because we know that stress shows up as physical for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah. And, and you, and you deny it you're just like, oh yeah, that's what happens when you get older. Oh. And like, even I hear my mom say it sometimes. Oh yeah. That's what happens when you get older. And I'm like, really? Oh, that's, that's really sad. Well, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to not let it happen to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's awesome is like, you know, we can have these conversations because like some people, if you started talking about like the tremor release exercise, they were like, okay, stop. Like that's insane. But mm-hmm. like the more you're open to like, why not give this stuff a try and see what works for you and, and individualize it. Like mm-hmm. my meditation routine like, as I said, this, the stillness for me as someone who has chronic pain is maddening. And so my meditation routine looks very different from like what you would think of as typical. Um, I usually have a little bit of um, music playing in the background because my monkey mind is all over the place. So I have sort of the landing pad of some movement. Uh, There's a little bit of movement in my body, some rhythmic movement to let my nervous system feel a little more settled. And sometimes I even need to layer in um, a little, like what you would call like a chant or an affirmation to, you know, Mm -hmm. make it sound less weird, but I need those anchors to keep me from like being all over the place. Mm -hmm. And some people are quite content just to lay there and focus on their breath. And that is, that is not what it looks like for me. So I've had to really tinker with it in order to find the right recipe and it continues to change as I get older and learn new things. And, and, um, you know, especially when it comes to things like yoga, my yoga now is it's very gentle. It's just about moving all the parts. I want to be able to like 
get my groceries out of the car <laughs> and maybe pick up my grandkids one day without having a lot of pain. That, that's it. Like, I don't care mm-hmm. what that's it looks so good, like. Though. That's so yeah. important for people to hear because, you know, tr- tradition, like when we've left the jail and one of the first things like you kind of get into is the mindfulness and the meditation. And, you know, you, you talk to people, former first responders and and just people and nobody can really sit there with this. It's like, okay, how long can I sit here? Like, or you're like, is that 10 minutes? No. Okay. I'm going to try five. It's a minute. It's, and 19. it's a minute. Yeah. And then it's like, it's good that you could find a path of something that, because a lot of people would just say, fuck it. It's not for me, honestly. Like I try and get my 14 year old to meditate with me in the mornings and it's like gong show, but it doesn't have to look like, the same for everyone with where they're very very i i tell my daughter you don't have to be like people study for 50 years to get in touch with their you know those inner emotions so whatever can work for you today whether it be yeah with movement or i say lay down pretend you're sleeping right whatever works that's the that's the point mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be perfect Hundred percent, and I stopped putting the pressure on myself to do it every day because I was starting to feel bad that I wasn't doing it every day. Mm-hmm. And so I do it two or three times a week, and I've set up a space. And I, when it works, I do it, and I'm not going to beat myself up about like I have to do it for 20 minutes at this time of the day every mm-hmm. morning, and it needs to look a certain way. Like I had to make it work for me, and I think especially for first responders um, and those who maybe have some. Um, trauma in their lives, whether it was like in childhood or through their careers. Um, Yoga can be um, a little intimidating because there are these times when you're expected to be still. And for some folks, all they're doing is like putting their back against the wall and trying to figure out where the door is. And being still is not really going to land so well. So um, yeah, being open to the fact that you need to do what feels right for you and have some autonomy over the fact that you don't need to hold anything a certain way. And sometimes the rhythmic movement feels better. Sometimes you need to open your eyes to ground yourselves. And sometimes the meditation practice looks pretty different. It's, um, you know, something as you learn a little bit more about these practices, you can really fine tune it and, and make it your own. And you don't just have to listen to the, the teacher in the front of the room and, and get what you need from it, mm-hmm. whether it's like yoga or walking or connecting with nature, whatever that may be for you is just adding this component of being mindful and trying to be aware. And it's a process. I remember the first time I tried to meditate, it was like, you know, you just think you're the worst meditator in the world. Well, everyone who starts to do it feels and, like And the that biggest one. thing for me was like, I, I know sometimes like when I, when I do meditate or when I'm in that state, it's like, I come out and I'm like, Oh, that felt so good. Right. And I want that. So then I'm in this, like, well, I want that outcome, right? Like, but I get it last time. What did I do differently? Because this time I feel stupid and tired, right? And it's like releasing the expectation attached to it too. I think has been really like, I have a salt lamp in my office and 
uh, if you saw my office right now, it's really messy. But when I do come in here to do like meditate, I turn off the lights. I have my salt lamp on and I just kind of like sit here and it, that's, ex- I don't have any expectations. Sometimes I lay on my side. Sometimes I turn on music. Sometimes I have like something playing in the background on YouTube or something like that. But like Terry had said to me, you don't have to just sit there and do nothing. You can go for a walk. I'm like, but to me going for a walk is like, well, you should be listening to a book. You should be learning <laughs> something, right? Right? So now I'm like trying to walk without a book. Oh, fuck. That's hard. That's mindful <laughs> shit, right? Like, well, because oh. your brain is so, it doesn't know what to do. It feels unsafe when you're still like yeah. your, your comfort zone from whether it was your profession or mm-hmm. prior to that, your comfort zone is a little bit of sympathetic fire, a little bit mm-hmm. of fight or flight. And mm-hmm. so when you start to like come out of that and downregulate it a little bit, your system doesn't know what to do with it. So mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty typical that that think, would be an uncomfortable place for you. I, oh, I think I told you about the osteopath that I saw where I like moved my eyes and almost fell over. <laughs> he was like, okay, Sharon. He was like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a business coach. He's like, that's what you do. That's, and I'm like, oh, well, I was a prison guard. He's like, oh, well, that makes more sense, right? <laughs> like, he's like, the fact that you turn your eyes to the left and your body almost like topples over is like d- screaming your nervous system. And I'm like, this is the coolest stuff ever. How do you know that? Like, and it's just like, it was, it was eye movement that I had to do. Yeah. I it's love so it. Cool. You yes. can nerd out on that stuff. Like, your eyes are actually an outcropping of your brain. And so as all mammals, if you are like, um, really narrow and focused on something, you go into a sympathetic response. And when you're calm and rested, and you feel safe, your eyes will go panoramic, they're rested, Mm -hmm. they're open, you're there's no danger anymore. And you can train it like you can actually practice when you're walking that panoramic soft gaze and like get your eyes to tell your brain that you're not getting chased by a tiger. Yeah, Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's very cool. cool. Okay, well, uh, Sharon's making us go now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ding, 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 ding. I know I feel like we could probably do this for hours on end. It's the best. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So you have yoga online and in person. We can find that at twistedoakyoga.com. That's the where you can find us or twisted oak uh, yoga and wellness. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I can send you the link to the webpage. So we're a pay what you can model. So if you are a first responder that um, is looking for a trauma informed lens and are interested in some of these principles, you just touch base with us. Um, Anytime we run a couple of online classes a week, we do um, conferences, workshops, and you have uh, a retreat in January. Yeah, we have a retreat coming up um, the fir- uh, Saturday, January 14th, uh, a little mini retreat just outside of Edmonton. So yeah, feel free to reach out and um, yeah, we'll um, looking forward to maybe some partnerships with yes. you, Lauren, and we've got another one coming in May. So yeah, we would be ha- happy to have any of your listeners join us. Yes, awesome. awesome. We'll put everything so good in the to show meet notes. you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Very Sharon. good to meet you, Sharon. And thank you, Lauren. I'm so glad that we've been able to to stay in touch and have these um these deep talks. And I want to thank you both so much for having me. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us 
on Instagram at From Unicorns to Unicorns, uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. Also feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review. Also feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy. We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day, love. Lauren and Sharon.